Hey everybody, this is Brian Zimmerman, editor of Jazz's Magazine, here to introduce another episode of Jazz's Backstage Pass. My guest today is trombonist and vocalist Aubrey Logan. Now, you may know her from her work in Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. Uh, some of you may have seen her with Dave Koz on his Summer Horns tour. And then a bunch more of you may know her from her solo work. In fact, she just released a new album called Where the Sunshine is Expensive. That's all about her recent move to Los Angeles and what it's like to be an artist there. Um, anyways, it's a really fascinating interview. We get into all sorts of stuff, her musical background, uh, performance with Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. We even talk about her favorite Spice Girl. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, Aubrey is an awesome guest. You're going to want to stick around and listen to it. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to take a moment to thank some of this episode's sponsors. They include Cobuzz.com, the world's largest catalog of streaming music and studio quality high res. You can stream all of your music in the highest possible quality starting at just $9.99 per month. Visit on.cobuzz.com slash jazzes to learn more. And that's Cobuzz spelled Q-O-B-U-Z dot com. Thanks also to Prairie Star Records. They've got a new album out right now by vocalist Patrice Jegu. It's called If This Ain't Love. You can check her out online at patricejegu.com. Another big thanks to vocalist Morris Paul Kennedy. He's got a new album out right now called Love in the Moments. You can read more about it and hear excerpts at musicbymorris.net. All right, as I mentioned, my guest is trombonist, vocalist, Aubrey Logan, a.k.a. the Queen of Sass. Let's go ahead and take it backstage. Well, sort of. You'll see what I mean. Aubrey Logan, trombonist extraordinaire, vocalist extraordinaire, Queen of Sass, Welcome to Jazz's Backstage Pass, and thanks for for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. I'm. I mean, I'm not backstage today. I'm actually miraculously in my own home, um, and my cat is at my feet, and he's making little snorting noises. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's great. We just. Beautiful. I just got Music home to from my a ears. gig last night. Well, glad you're home. And you are officially in L.A. now, correct? Los I Angeles. am. I've been in L.A. for about seven, maybe eight years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Land of great tacos. Oh, it's great tacos. It's great sunshine. It's expensive sunshine. It's I wrote expensive. an album about That's that. That's exactly right. Um, that, that brings et cetera, us to the <laughs> topic of today's conversation is the new album, where the yes. where the sunshine is expensive. Expensive. Yep. Which is a beautiful name for an album because it's oh, so thanks. true. Because <laughs> um, it's so long. Because yes. it's such a long name. I, we I love good long album names. <laughs> mingus, 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 mingus. I mean, that may just be the best right there. That's but, even longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is all about your kind of experience in L.A. and your Los Angeles identity and what it yes. means to be a Angelino, Angelo, Angelino. I'm not really sure. Yeah, an Angelino or an Angelino okay. transplant. Please. Okay. Yes. Right, Especially right, right. in the context of being in the entertainment industry, which um, I am. Totes. And it's my fault. You, you chose this life, Aubrey. It you was chose. my, yes. I, chose, I wanted to be in show business. Well, yeah. let's, okay, so let's get there because you mentioned it's not your hometown. You are from uh, Seattle originally, correct? Yes. So I'm still from, West Coaster. Yeah, I'm from um, a town called Snohomish, Washington, which is northeast of Seattle a little bit. And um, I grew up there. Oh, best, best, uh, best childhood ever really um i have wonderful parents they are both music teachers nice. uh they're not they're absolutely not they were absolutely not like my direct teachers right because um i i mean i i know some people who learn directly from their parents in a formal setting but it's definitely not me but we uh cert they certainly got me hooked on all types of music uh, they would play i almost attribute more my my love of music and my affinity for it more to what they would play on our on the speakers in our home more so than the fact they were actually music teachers which was um, what were they spinning they were spinning within the same half hour they were spinning whitney houston Oscar Peterson, Ella Fitzgerald, Stevie Wonder, Beethoven, Dolly Parton, The Eagles, The Spice Girls, by my request, and um, Nat King Cole, you know, so to me, and Peter Gabriel, and so to me, hearing different decades of music, totally. different eras, different styles was not odd. 
um, at all. So, you know, when you're a kid, you just accept everything as normal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Everything around you that's going on, you accept as normal. And that's more variety than even the best algorithm could have provided. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, more variety than the Spotify algorithm, for sure. More variety than Pandora Radio, for sure. And which Spice Um, Girl were you, Aubrey? Oh, Sporty Spice, for sure. Okay. I mean, mean, still am. Okay, Um, Sporty Spice at heart. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, for sure, right? I mean, she's she's strong and she sings well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, and so hearing all of those different sounds you know within the span of an hour was so normal to me and i didn't realize it was abnormal until much much later in my life not even i mean college it was very normal i went to school in boston right Um, right yeah and hearing all sorts of things not just on a on a radio but live in front of my face was completely normal because that that place was a just every musician in the world was in one spot basically it was a representation of all of the world's music and genres in one right. place and everybody was very passionate and intense and obsessed and um so that that just further intensified it for me and then and challenged me because i was not just hearing it i was actually playing it uh with my peers and then it wasn't until it was time to market me as an artist that i found out that it was odd to have multiple uh, tastes or <laughs> right i know or, and that's where so yeah. much of this genre pigeonholing comes from you know sure is... and i absolutely understand it i absolutely do because um i i understand that we musicians are are weirdos you know we are eclectic <laughs> people and most and we have dedicated our lives to learning how to how to be versatile and how to be uh and we like it you know we we once you start down one path of music you then you find something else you get into that too and and i mean most people i'm not a dedicated you know scientist or a dedicated historian and i'm sure if i were i would be just as eccentric in those fields um but the average person who who may not have studied music Mm -hmm. you know they they need to they they want to feel safe they want to know what they're getting they want to know what they are about to are about to experience and uh and i understand although it has been quite a challenge and i still don't fit into any sort of box um although i am absolutely a jazz singer i mean it it doesn't mean that's all i do but but it certainly is who i am that's the the foundation for what yeah. You yeah. yeah 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 and and even you know i i've been a fan of al Jarreau my whole life mm. thanks to my parents and um and he you know when you when you listen to his music you're obviously hearing pop songs right because they're right. arranged that way however uh because i love songs and i love lyrics and i love right. a simple um statement in a song which is actually a lot harder to write than than a complicated one and um then and yet his music is clearly played by jazz musicians for obvious reasons you know and so that's probably the closest i can come to to describe what i what it is i do well and i mean i I would say that is totally accurate i mean you definitely have (laughs) a a classic jazz voice that is the foundation jazz is the foundation for your voice in turn in terms of you know tone timbre style but Mm. you're showing that that voice you know doesn't have to be applied to a single setting just like al Jarreau did you know that it's so versatile it's so applicable and people from pop audiences want to hear it i mean that's exactly yeah. that's exactly what you're doing um yeah and Thanks. I, I have this theory you know that people kind of listen to music across horizontal yep. lines um mm-hmm. you know like in terms of genre like if they're into rock they listen across horizontally the rock genre jazz hor- horizontally the the jazz genre and that's how the algorithms have kind of programmed us to listen Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of vertical lines, too, where you can find the same sort of style, you know, or genius in Thelonious Monk as you can in, you know, Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, because they yeah. both have very kind of uh, similar, quirky, dissonant melodies that sound exactly. like nursery rhymes. 
And, exactly. you know, what you're doing, your work in the postmodern jukebox and as yeah. a solo artist, I think is really, really carving out those vertical lines. And it's so important Thanks. for people to listen that way. Um, so, yeah, I if you don't mind, let's you know, before we get into L.A., I'd love to talk <laughs> about your involvement with postmodern jukebox. Absolutely. Just how you got involved and yeah. how the process. I kind of want to know, like how you settle on tunes. Um, oh, yeah. You know how that happens. But first, let's go walk me back to the beginning, how you got involved in. PM yeah. So. Uh, so I had moved to Los Angeles like like seven years ago or something. And I believe I met Scott Bradley for mm-hmm. the first time. Maybe. Oh, gosh, it's. Four Founder years ago. Po- postmodern yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. I think it was almost exactly four years ago. Okay, cool. And w- I had heard of that. I was making my own kind of cover videos from time to time of, you know, I did this Missy Elliott thing as a jazz thing. And I did yeah, this yeah, Pitbull yeah. song as a jazz thing. And, and I did like some others. And um, so people start, I started to get to know the music community through that over here and, um, and, and fans as well through through that stuff and then doing shows in LA and um music is a very small world I mean not just in LA everywhere but but so I knew who Postmodern Jukebox was because I saw some of their videos and I was like oh that's great they're they're kind of doing the same thing I am except they're doing it more specifically than I was you know I I like to do it but I wouldn't say I'm doing it in the style of dot 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 you know as best I can they were doing ragtime like completely legit right yeah and i saw it and i was like oh this is cool i i wonder if i'll meet them sometime and collaborate sometime (laughs) because because we were doing kind of similar stuff and then um one day i have a friend named shoshana bean who is a fabulous singer and broadway star and west end star um and she apparently was was friends with pmj's management and i guess she had told them about me and they connected the dots. And uh, one day I got a phone call from management, from Postmodern Jukebox management saying, would you do a song with Scott Bradley? And I'm thinking, absolutely. Oh, goodness, would I? So I thought to myself, and this will answer your question a little bit on how the collaborations go. I mean, the answer to that is it varies. It depends on who's collaborating. Um, okay. It depends on the art, the artist that Scott's collaborating with. Okay. Um, because everybody is a guest and everybody has a different way they do things and Scott has his way of doing things. So it's very unique um, to, to whoever's doing it. But I was like, well, if I'm going to do a collaboration with Scott Bradley, then I better make it good because it's probably going to get a lot of views just not because of me, but because of them. And I better make this good. So I started to arrange something <laughs> myself. And I wrote a baseline. I didn't write the chords because I was like, maybe I'm going to I got to leave something um, to collaborate because so I'm not going to go crazy on this. But I am going to arrange this melody to this rap verse um, of Bad Blood. <laughs> and nice. that had just been out. So I showed up to Scott's house with that already done. And then he was he liked it. And then he took my baseline and my melody that I'd written and he wrote his arrangement over that. Um and that's how we did it. And then, and then that, that video came out. It was bad blood and it, uh, kind of changed my life a little bit. <laughs> I would <laughs> say then so. All of a sudden, yeah. Cause then all Lots of a sudden of views. fans, right. And fans were starting to find out what I was doing besides that. And then, and then I was on, you know, tour with postmodern jukebox and I had done more videos with them. And, um, then the tours truly did change my life because first of all, they were oodles of fun. They were just are just uh, very intense and very hard work but very fun and my management and i decided well while i'm on tour with postmodern jukebox let's make sure we go and book our solo shows in those very same cities right afterwards so i didn't really ever take a break from touring until now because um because i would go on tour with postmodern jukebox and then immediately turn right around and go on tour with my music um and the postmodern jukebox fans would show up and bring their friends and um, next thing I know, I'm making an album. I make Impossible, and the fans funded it. And then Debut next album, thing I know, right? yeah. Yep. And then next thing I know, I make uh, another. You know, obviously, there's not next thing I know because there's a lot of in between. <laughs> but then I wrote Where the Sunshine Is Expensive, yep. and uh, the fans made that a number one album. <laughs> and 
And I really do attribute so much of this to Postmodern Jukebox and, of course, another collaborator I've worked with, Dave Cause. Um, sure. Yeah, Summer Horns. Uh, you are one right. of the Summer Horns. I am. And, and so I have learned more from Scott Bradley and Dave Cause about the art of collaboration and the importance of it. You know, this little only child loner girl has learned <laughs> a little <laughs> bit from these two about how to, how to work as a team. And um, man, it works. And it's a joyous thing. It certainly is. Let's actually go ahead and listen to just a little bit, just a skosh of the song that started it all, Bad Blood, um, featuring Aubrey Logan with Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes You say sorry just for sure If you live like that You live with ghosts You forgive, you forget But you never let it go Cause baby now we got bad blood You know we used to be mad love So take a look what you've done Since appearing with Postmodern and Jukebox, your your profile, your popularity has you know exploded, um, deservedly so. Um, and so, ditto with Dave Cause and Summer Horns. I actually saw you at you did the Concord Jazz Festival, uh, where I, I learned it was pronounced Concord and not Concord. Oh yeah, I learned uh, that too. <laughs> hopefully not the hard way. Hello, Concord. I was told very, very early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> by by all the guys. It's Concord. And that was a great Concord. fest. That was a great set. Um oh, thank the summer you. horns, for those who don't know, I mean you're playing, we call them at jazz is it's like our own in-house term, the gateway uh drug jazz, which is like 70s era, you know, pop rock horn bands, uh Earth Wind yep. Fire, Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and the like. Um, and you guys just like all the best blew, things. blew the roof <laughs> off the place. Well, I have to ask. I mean, I have to did yeah. you listen to that stuff growing up? I mean, I oh, feel yeah. like that's essential Absolutely. for Absolutely. Young. I mean, it's why I play the, it's why I play the trombone. Sweet. It's because of Chicago Sweet. and because of James Brown and 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 because well, we can talk about that too. Because and I played the trombone because obviously I wanted to be cool. So <laughs> everyone knows the trombone is the coolest instrument. I mean, in the band. Yeah. all I have ever wanted was to fit in. Forget so. the guitar. Forget the drums. It's all about the trombone. Right. Well, no, I actually so. heard there was a story. Right. You you joined the band. Right. And someone said, "Oh, you could play anything, but not flute." Right. Or you said, that, that "Oh." Yeah, that that, that has been that's a slight game of telephone. It didn't exactly <laughs> go down like that. But but he I do vaguely remember the band director saying, as you're choosing an instrument, perhaps consider not choosing the flute because I have 80,000 flute players uh -huh, in the band. Uh -huh. And and he denies it to this. I don't know if he denies it. I he, he might have a different story of how that went down. But for some reason in my mind, I remember it like that. Now, I was 12 years old, so. That conversation probably isn't as clear in my head as uh, as as it could be, but um, and little and I had no idea I'd be answering interview questions uh, as to how <laughs> that conversation went down. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't really know, but um, <laughs> I certainly um picked I picked the trombone because my well because I just wanted to fit in. No, because my dad who was a Okay, so my dad was a, a high school principal at the time, but he got a start of his career as a band director. He also ended his career as a band director, oh, wow. but the middle of his career was principal. And, you know, he was friends with the band director at his school for obvious reasons. And he brought home several instruments from the school. I mean, oh, I, we already cool. had. Yeah, we already had several trumpets at the house because of my dad's instrument. And I had tried that. And then I tried a saxophone. I tried a French horn. I tried a flute. I tried a flute. Okay. I liked it. Fair enough. Uh, I tried. And then I tried the trombone. I was like, this one just, I could get a sound out of it right away. Natural um, trombonist. I was, I was into it. And I, had, I wanted to make sure I picked one that I saw in the jazz band. I mean, I didn't want to limit myself. Right. Um, and so I didn't pick flute because I didn't see flutes in the jazz band. Obviously, we know that jazz flute is a beautiful thing but you know at the time i didn't see that happening very much in school so i didn't pick it 
And um, I was already a singer because I had spent most of my childhood in musical theater. <laughs> Shocker. And uh, I had learned to read music through that. And I, I was in the Seattle Children's Chorus. I had learned to read music through that. My mom directed the Snohomish Children's Choir. I had learned to read music there. And so I had and I had some remedial piano. You know, my deepest regret is quitting that. But mm. um, so I was I was able to read. Um, all I had to do was figure out how to play an instrument, play a wind instrument, really. And so <laughs> no big deal. So I I uh, I had started, you know, a year or two later than all of the other kids um, on their instruments. So I was really behind. And I, you know, that was a major crisis in my mind. I probably yeah. shed multiple tears about it as a hormonal 12 year old middle school and, yeah yeah and um so i kind of learned a year's worth of trombone in a week because i was so obsessed and and i loved it um obviously so here i am still holding this thing and and putting it in the overhead of every flight oh god so, yeah you got to check um, that thing well we're glad you did never you're i never um, checked you know, it oh, okay <laughs> I never. Oh, check right. It. You got to put it in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And kind of sandwich it above people's. Uh, yep. Yeah. Carry on bags. And people are saying, what yeah. the heck is that? Then you got to you got to move like the person who just put their hat up there or their scarf. And yeah. You'd be like, really, dude, you just put your yeah. hat up there. Um, well, we're glad you did because you're obviously an amazing trombone player and the world needs Jeez. more trombone players. Um, it does. <laughs> and it has more than I knew. Oh, well, I was going to ask. So I was going to ask, like, who were some of your trombone influences growing up um, <laughs> as you started getting into jazz and whatnot, or not? You know, from the classical world, yeah. from the rock, the rock world. Who's the trombone trombone player from the the JBs? James. Well, Brown's I got to be honest. I got to be honest. It, I didn't listen to a lot of trombone players growing up, even while I was learning it. And I also, mm. and I, I still kind of don't. Um, I mean, mm. I, Wycliffe Gordon is probably my favorite one ever yeah and he's he he's doing his thing yeah. yeah and he's doing his thing and and it's probably because of the showbiz factor as well as his virtuosity right <laughs> um he's an entertainer and he makes everyone feel warm inside and and, and that's connects very connects with the audience yeah yeah oh. very important to me so are you saying you listen mostly to vocalists and like that's where you really kind of derive no. oh, okay Not, on, spill I, the beans. well okay Okay, I listen mostly to songwriter vocalists, mm. singer song. So I listen, you know, my my well, and Ella Fitzgerald, who did not write the song. So she's she's probably the person I've listened to more than anybody, especially cool. in my formative years learning yeah. jazz. Um, but my favorite artists are, uh, you know, Carol King and Elton John and and Michael Jackson and and th those are my those are the people and Stevie Wonder. Um, oh, those, are my, yeah. those are my, those are my staples. I mean, that's quite a Mount Rushmore right there. Right. So, so these are the people who, I mean, they sound so cliche, but they're like that for a reason. And Ray Charles and anybody who made the world feel connected mm -hmm. to their music. Mm -hmm. I mean, Queen is a major influence on me because I have such a need to take a song to several different places <laughs> and well, you know queen had their yeah. yeah and queen and i have as much as i am a and i mean count base big bands influenced me in a big way because even though jazz that jazz feel is very important to me and um and obviously ingrained in me i wasn't the girl geeking out on coltrane all the time right. i wasn't the kid listening to Mingus constantly and I wasn't the one listening to all the free jazz I mean at Berkeley there were those people and I hung out with them and I learned from them but to me it's all about telling a story with the music yeah. and a story has and of course all of these people Coltrane of course told beautiful stories um with his playing and 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 everything but but as far as the extended solo just for soloing sake Right. It was never my, it Not was never my, um, priority. It was never my priority. Um, and what, what is my priority is conveying a story and big bands do that because there's a beginning and a middle and an end. Yep. And, and, and obviously pop music does that. The pop music of uh, my favorite pop music, like, like Carol King and James Taylor, et cetera. 
you know, and, and obviously, and Queen did this and rock, rock operas do this yep. and um, musical theater does this where I got a lot of my, my roots. And so symphonic rock is a big influence on me. And I, I, I don't know if people would know that by listening to my music, but that's where I'm drawing from. That's, that's where, that's what's important to me. Um, it's, it's like, even though I'm playing pop, you know, funk, jazz, it's like my show is a bit of a cabaret because yeah. even though the songs don't necessarily relate to one another, they, I make them relate to one another. <laughs> and that's awesome. And I, n- number one, I don't even think people necessarily need to realize that because you're like a synthesis of all those things, you know, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Coltrane. Coltrane wasn't geeking out on Coltrane either. You know, he was listening to Stravinsky and he was playing yeah. in R&B bands um, right. and, you know, military marches and scale yes. exercises. Like he was a sum well, of all of those parts. Yeah. Um, and like ditto for Grant Green, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, Grant Green. He did not listen to many guitarists. He was a Charlie Parker head. He was a Dizzy Gillespie head. And when you listen to him, he sounds like a horn player on the guitar. He's a very yeah. unique voice. Um, and so the same could be said for you. You bring a very kind of narrative, vocal, performance-oriented quality to everything you do. Um, so you. I was almost, I thought you were going to say that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms good. of like <laughs> show tunes, you know, Broadway, theater, uh, who were mm-hmm. some of your hero, uh, heroes in that kind of uh, world? Well, Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli mm-hmm. are, yeah. are, and, and um, it's really more the, it's really more the writers that are my heroes. Gershwin and Cole Porter are mm-hmm. my heroes, you know, um, those are my heroes. And, uh, and Rogers and Hammerstein are my heroes. So uh, it, it, the people telling the stories are my right, heroes. Right. Um, I, I can't even, I hate to admit, I can't, I probably can't even name very many Broadway stars um, because that, that isn't where my mind goes. My mind is going, who wrote this story? To the lyric, to the song. Goodness, to the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, West Side Story is probably some of my favorite music ever. I mean, yeah. I would put songs on just to hear them. Um, and, and, you know, I even gravitate towards movie scores in a similar vein. Like Danny Elfman is a major hero of mine. Nightmare Before Christmas is brilliant. Yeah, totally. Just because you can um, close your eyes and see a scene, even if it's not the movie, you just, you know, there is something about that cinematic quality. Um, yeah. Yeah. And West Side Story. Oh God, that's one of my favorites. I mean, right. And there's a lot of horns. There's a lot of brass. And there's a lot of brass. Hey, that doesn't hurt either. That doesn't hurt no, either. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't but it sounds like you love a good lyric. Wordcraft is really important yes. to you. Yeah. It, it is. And I, and I respect it because I know how hard it's it so is because I try to do it. I yeah. attempt it. So it is so damn hard. Anybody so hard. who can't appreciate, you know, like a Paul Simon lyric, you know, oh. or uh, Carol King, try right. writing your own song and so just hard see how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to say so much. Right. And you don't have time. You can't write so, exactly. So you have to narrow it down. I mean, the hardest part is is for I mean, the easy part is first I write down everything I want to say in a song. Mm. And then before I know it, I've written like a ten page essay. You mean this is just like prose? Like you're just like yeah. barfing the contents of your brain uh-huh. on the page? Yeah. Yes. Gotta love yes. a good brain barf. Absolutely. Yeah. A brain barf. And then I mean what happens before the brain barf is it is I usually write a a little hook like something like some bass ostinato or something okay and like one idea but then that's it that one idea dictates what the whole song is about all of a sudden and then i've written before and you know in in five minutes the entire orchestration's finished in my mind the whole Mm -hmm. all the chords are written all the melodies written all the stops are written they're done they're done finished great i have an instrumental hit right now right right but then writing the story and concisely writing the story that takes me months sometimes and i'll procrastinate because i'm so afraid of it sucking oh god I mean, yeah fear of sucking and, yeah and and then i write the album and the album's out and then it just sucks because then it's already done and it's on the and it's been sold and it's in people's hands and it's like ah oh, dang it i could have done that better now it's in everybody's hand yeah and well, rest assured, Aubrey, none of it sucks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> none of it sucks, but the fear of sucking 
right. is can be so paralyzed. And it, and it, mm-hmm. maybe it's not necessarily the fear of sucking, but it's just like, you know, the feel of having the final project and it's out there. Yeah. And people just, yeah. It's how, how do you overcome that? I deal with, I can't, the fear of the, for me, it's the blank page, you know, if I'm just, I don't know. I haven't overcome it. Well, okay. Well, let me tell you, that could be okay, just wait. as refreshing for aspiring, you know, artists yeah. to hear is that you never overcome. I think I heard, I, a, I you heard never a, overcome it. You never overcome yeah. it. I heard a quote from, it was the rock climber, Alex Honnold, you know, the guy who climbed yeah. the mountain, you know, by himself or whatever he was in that movie. Yes. He said, it never gets easier. Like climbing never gets easier. It still right. hurts every time I do it. And I still oh, yeah. think, I, think I suck every time I do it. But I'm just able to do it for longer and right. quicker. And, you know, so you never right. get over that. And, and, and I, no, that, I think, is a really don't. important lesson for people. That it's always scary to start. Um, right. You're always afraid. Well, here's, yeah. here's where I am a jazz musician, though, is the way I have sort of overcome it is because of live shows Mm. because for me it recording an album is a necessary part of my life it's definitely not because afterwards then we play it live and it just gets so it gets better every time right you know and and that is what's worth it to me is playing it in front of human beings with human beings and then it just keeps getting better so when people come to the live show they're hearing something so much better than the album (laughs) you know and and i get it and let me tell you i mean the album is incredible thank you it's it's really and we did it live we did it live. right you did it it was live in studio or were you at a yeah right live in In studio studio with an audience energy yeah 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 but I get it. It's so true. And it's it's just, like yep. a piece of artwork. You never finish it, right? You just have never. to put the pen down for a while. You have to put the horn down for a while. You have to press stop on the recording. And yep. that's what it is. But it's never really finished. Never. Um, but uh, yeah, well, you know, it's reassuring to hear that even artists of the highest caliber like yourself, you know, mm-hmm. still dealing with that that doubt. That is just a part yeah. of the creative process and, you know. It shouldn't be a fr- you shouldn't be afraid of it, but let's talk about the album. I would I would love to go there actually. And before yeah. we talk about where the sunshine is expensive, because you mentioned Carol King, um, I want to talk about this your EP from January because it gets my vote for best EP name of all time. Uh, <laughs> it's songs your mom listens to, right? Your mom's, your mom's favorite, favorite songs. songs. Your mom's favorite mm-hmm. songs. And yeah. I, I saw that. I clicked and I opened it because I was like, I want to see how accurate this is. I want to see how accurate <laughs> this is. Number three or four in the track order. I feel the earth move, right? Yes. My and mom's Natural favorite. Woman. And natu- that, nat- I feel Carol the Gates. earth move is my mom's favorite song of all time. Uh, uh, she's right. She's got this dance to it that she does where she kind of like snaps her arm like a chicken. Very hard to explain, but very mom uh, dancey. Um, and we love her for it because we call yes, it the, the earth move dance. And you nailed it. Those <laughs> those Thank are you. songs all moms love. How did how did the, the idea for that album come to you, that EP? Uh, I, it's the it was really just a joke. Like, well, to me, that that name, the, the songs are not a joke. The songs are the best songs, the songs ever. The best songs but ever. The, Fire is on there. The, I feel the right. earth move by Jimi Hendrix. I feel the earth move. Um, Natural yeah. woman. Yeah, those are awesome songs. But thanks, and and listen to the music, Doobie Brothers. Yeah, That's right. I mean, yeah. it's really just like I was like, well, I was gonna call it like something stupid, like songs of the seventies and some of the sixties. You know, I was yeah, gonna right. do something for and. <laughs> Some of the eighties, but, but it's like, no, what are, what does all these songs have in common? They're your mom's favorite song. (laughs) And Uh, I love it. And really what they are are my favorite songs, but we don't need to tell anybody that. Well, because, you know, as you said, your parents have great taste in music, so they do, you know, they do. Yeah. That's how that worked. Okay. Well, I just want to listen to a little bit of my mom's favorite song. I feel the earth move from Aubrey Logan's EP, your mom's favorite songs. Mom, this one's for you. I feel the earth move under my feet I feel the skies tumbling down I feel my heart start to tremble in Whenever you're around Oh baby When I see your face Mellow as the month of May I know that I can't stand it the earth 
the skies tumbling down And I feel my heart start to tremble My heart start to tremble when you're around I appreciate you um, Months later, uh, you release uh, Where the Sunshine is Expensive um, Yeah Another great album um, Original material though Yes. How well, long? two two covers, but yeah. Right. How long was this project in the works? Was it just the oh, year? Oh, we. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing some of those songs live before we recorded it because oh, okay. that's how old school I really am. That shows how jazzy I truly. Am. Working it <laughs> but, out live. Yeah, and then some of the song about maybe a third of them were were just you know the first time we played them was on the album. Um, and so yeah, that I mean, as far as how long those have been in the works. You know, those songs are, um, I'm always writing songs. So, so I don't really know. I mean, if you, right. you count from the second I started writing one of them, then you could take it back several years, but really it was quick. You know, it was, it was that was a quick one. That was quicker than my, uh, comfortability allowed. Um, mm. and we, um, you know, I, 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 a record label approached me a ja very traditional jazz label approached me and said, yeah, will you do a live? Yeah. Resonance. Uh -huh. Will you do a jazz? Will you do a jazz record, uh, a live jazz record? And I said, well, no, I, I won't do a live record. That's no way, you know? Right. And then, and then we narrowed, and then we came up to an agreement that we would do. And then I got really excited about it, that we would do it in the studio. So we had the control of a studio with sound, not with overdubs. Cause we didn't, overdub but we had the control of the studio with sound and also the electric feeling of an audience in the room and just play the song you know so um i was really excited about it when all was said and done and the fans you know we had a slight tragedy with pledge music because they did they did indeed um pre-order the album and uh, you know right. pledge went bankrupt yeah, and everything mm -hmm. so i i you know that was a rough moment for me i i really did i it was very disappointing but but you know life life happens and that's exactly and right. um we we fulfilled it anyway and i have my family to thank you know for my husband to thank for being patient with that and, and just like the the record label helped a little too and every everybody just it, it still became this very joyous thing and, and it even got a number one um, yeah on contemporary and I, I, contemporary I, jazz chart right yeah, yeah it did and so um that album it almost the way it came out was so poetic because it came out of some turmoil and mm -hmm. it was written about mm -hmm. some inner turmoil mm -hmm. so <laughs> oh oh how perfect it was art imitated and, um, life yes exactly and <laughs> um the art imitated life there and uh and now it's still in the works because every time we play those songs it's a little different because like Al Jarreau, even though they're even though they're pop songs, we play them like jazz, and um, it's some of my it's the it's definitely the fav my most favorite thing I've ever recorded. Oh, that's for sure. cool. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah, Resonance. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some prestigious company on that label because they're known yes. for their their archival work. You know, put out some amazing Absolutely. releases by you know. Yep newly discovered stuff by Wes Montgomery and Nat King Cole right. and um, not many people know that they also do contemporary artists so yeah. I think you were an amazing get for them like this this Thank I'm you. so glad of this that this pairing happened yeah um, how does that so you you have your live in studio you had people in the studio how did mm -hmm. you select those people like a price oh well right they kinda... they no they selected themselves okay. they pre-ordered oh they oh, they okay so everybody it. that pre-ordered got to be in the studio got it only, only the people that pre-ordered the studio ticket. Gotcha. Cool. Right. Cool. cool. Right. It's such, yeah, there's, even though you can't hear them, even though you can't see them, you can feel the energy. There's something yeah. about playing in front of people. There's like a, like a buzz, you know, it puts they can see them on the videos. We've released oh, the so videos. Got videos. Okay, cool. Yeah. Understand is up. Keep forgetting is up. Right and, um, LA is up on video. Um, some others too. High place, I believe is up on video and more are going to come out. They're, they're rolled out every now and then on my YouTube channel. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the album might also have one of the few songs written about Tom Bradley International Terminal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. <laughs> you know, how did 
it's just so it's 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 so interesting to me to take on LA. You know, New York. Obviously, everyone's inspired by New York as they should by, should be. It's an amazing city. You know, uh, yes. Suddenly, it's ditto for London, and places like LA or even where I'm from, Miami. You know, just outside of Miami, where I live now, Miami. They mm-hmm. have a similar rep of, yes. you know, not necessarily the. Uh, artistic muses that other cities tend to be people think of them as you know a little shallow and you know everybody's out there just you know for showbiz or what so uh, tell me where this uh, this love for this complicated love for los angeles came from um well la it's i'm not the only one who who so true. <laughs> this is absolutely everything i wrote on that album is so not unique <laughs> to me at all. And what I was doing was after impossible came out, I kept, you know, I was like, okay, good little first try. I mean, good, very good little first try. Uh, say, very, yeah. I mean, very supported, very much. I felt so loved with that, but I spent a lot of my earlier years here thinking that I was going to fit into some I I don't know what I thought being an artist would be like. I mm. thought maybe I'd get with do a major label thing. Um I tried a few times. I never quite saw eye to eye with anybody um in those positions although I would um I would be happy to. And I never and I sabotaged probably my own uh chances of that oh yeah <laughs> wow I'm, I'm telling you guys way too much and then um <laughs> just because i i couldn't quite get narrow narrow myself enough i i wasn't willing to and well that's um, integrity on your part i yeah you know yeah. you should be proud of that thank you thank you and i uh didn't go the pop way and i didn't go the jazz way and and it it, it never quite worked out and i i lived in turmoil about it for a while mm. and i wrote and, you know, all of that is about my experience in L.A. All of that is about my experience in mm. the not just the showbiz world, because the world has showbiz. L.A. has, though, Hollywood. Yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. That's a, that's that's another thing. It's and its I own never beast. Quite, it's its own beast. And I never quite fit into it. And um, I never will. And I had to write about my experiences as an artist and what was happening is I wrote the song "Understand," and the word the words are "I want you to understand me." And and the opening line is "There are two people who don't like me, and I think about them day and night." Mm-hmm. And because that's the that's the inner world of a people pleasing artist is right. if anybody doesn't approve, you just can't stop thinking about so them. So true. And, so true. And you um, you tune out the good, you know, positive criticism. Oh, of but course. It's just, that, that doesn't matter at all. Right. That's <laughs> so crazy. About it. So crazy. Yeah. There are two people who don't like me Two people that I know And I think about them day and night Day and night Ooh. I couldn't count all the times I counted all the times If I did something wrong And I was beginning to write songs, you know, and I wrote so cute. I thought it would be easy, but that's so cute, you know, and, and like, I thought touring because I see people posting on their Instagram, you know, that's LA too, about Mm -hmm. their cool lives as artists. And I'm going, man, they look like they're having it so easy. And then, and then I, but I'm here, I am experiencing this and it's very difficult and the running the business is difficult and, and can, um, dealing with people is difficult and being a boss is difficult and being an entrepreneur is difficult. And I'm, but then, and so I'm like, but these people's lives look so easy. So I thought being an artist would be so easy, but then I convicted myself because then I look at my own Instagram and go, Oh, all I'm posting is the, is the good stuff too. And mm. <laughs> nobody's seeing the bad. Right. So if people, 
you know, if people really want to know how hard it is, they have to listen to the lyrics very closely because I'm not, I'm not going to post a bunch of complaints, but I sure will write about them. I sure will write songs about them. So, um, that's your outlet for that. Right. And, and, um, and I also don't, I am not a doom and gloom person at all. And a lot of artists, you know, I almost envy them. They can go to that melancholy place. I hate it. I just hate it. But I have one. I have one a little bit, but it's also always turns around in hope. So the song airport codes, which Tom Bradley international terminal is like a little, that's my, my, me trying my hand at writing a, an overture because Tom, all Tom Bradley international terminal is, is an instrumental version of quoting the song airport codes. And then the bridge is the bridge of LA. And then, yeah, that's all that is. And so, um, airport codes is probably the darkest, most Alanis Morissette, uh, song I'll ever write. And yet, and it's about being lonely while traveling and think in your head, going every place and thinking about everything. And, um, yet there's a hope, there's a hope in it because I, I, as hard as this is, I think what I real and part of this is just becoming an adult, but part of it's also living in LA because everyone thinks LA is this sparkly, nice, pristine, happy place to be. And it, it, but all that is, is, is it looks like that. It's truly people here are normal, even though they seem not normal, they're still people and they're still going through hard things like everyone else. And that's what the album's about. That's what it's about. Artists are still people, even though they look like they're incredibly on cloud nine all the time but what our job is is to get on stage and no matter how bad of a day we're having is to act like we're fine and i uh i can't do that (laughs) (laughs) i and yet and yet when you do see me happy and smiling i am happy right and i am no there's no kind of veneer for you there's no (laughs) there's no show yeah yeah and yet at the same time the sadness and the and the and the difficulty and the um hardship is just as real and so um i am not the one putting on a wig and doing the show like some of my very dear friends do which by the way more power to them but um that's not my show and that's not that's not the album where the sunshine is expensive. That album is, hey, it's beautiful here. The man, it costs a lot. And that's metaphorical. It's not just money. It's it. There is a cost to just about everything we do. And um, I hope people in the Midwest who have nothing to do with entertainment relate to that as well, because they are working hard and loving their families. And, and I, that's yeah. hard. Here is that tune. Here is Airport Codes from Aubrey Logan's new album, where the sunshine is expensive. Nobody told me it'd be easy. Nobody told me everything would be just fine. I don't know where or when I pulled these promises out of thin air. Or if there's such a thing as about these things on airplanes I'm never lonely until cruising altitude I don't need anybody when I've got my feet flat on the ground or if I've got a night in town I gotta be at LAX JFK, CDG, LGA, LHR, where are you? I think you they know, will. And, like, <laughs> and the whole album has kind of like a scratching below the surface vibe Absolutely. to it. You know, where if yeah. you peel away, you know, the stereotypes of LA. Yeah. Or stereotypes yeah. of anyone, you know, you get really to the to the core of what a person is, or you know what an experience is, and oftentimes, you know, it's being lonely, you know, whether you're traveling, you know, or it's you know, especially in the in the social media age, it's you know, feeling uh, inferior, distant, you know, and these are real problems that that we all deal with. Um, so 
But what I like to hear from you is that there about that trace of optimism, which is so true, because so many people think, you know, with serious with serious jazz and serious art, it has to come from this place of darkness and yes. despair, and that's so normally not the case, right? It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, it doesn't have to be the case. <laughs> it doesn't, and it's not a trace of optimism. It's a foundation. It's a foundation of hope. Yep. Now. In my world, and and you might hear this in that song 139 on the record, which is absolutely from it's Psalm 139 from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think when I read that psalm, when I read that passage, it's like very despairing and very optimistic. Um, it's almost as if you can't get to the optimism until you get to the despair because you're what's happening in that psalm is you're you know it says you know when i make my bed in hell and you know when i make my my home in heavens you know those are two very polar opposite statements right next to each other in that psalm and um if you don't lose your hope in the phony things in the temporary things and in the not eternal things. I mean, those things are hopeless. They are despair. They are bad. And loneliness is horrible and real. But if you don't have a little bit of hopelessness, how will you have hope? Mm. And where will you put your hope? You know, and that's where I'm coming from. Um, That was the same with impossible. Um, It was like, nothing I'm trying is working, at least not for me, you know, on the outside and truly, I am being a whiny baby artist because I'm doing fine. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all allowed to be. But yeah, we're all we're all, we're all whiny babies. But <laughs> that's where that's coming from. Yeah, and it's 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 such a relatable topic um, mm-hmm. because people, I think, hide that you know, or they guard that you know yeah. within themselves. So it's an important album in that regard, and it's also got a yeah. song about laundry with Dave Cause. <laughs> So come on. Yeah. So that song's <laughs> that that's the only so I always tell this that the shows my uh you know, when you write songs, they're all a little bit of a lie, right? You you have to exaggerate something to to make a good story. And so for the most part I've exaggerated like in impossible. That song Don't Wanna Tell Nobody, you know, it's such a whiny song. I didn't have a breakup that bad, but I wrote about one. So um but <laughs> artistic license, you know. Yeah, artistic license, but laundry is very literal. It is the most accurate song about my husband. The only song I've ever written about him ever. Um and nothing about it is exaggerated. It's just and mostly the song is actually about me and how I don't it's a that song's just plain old fun. Like I don't have a big romantic history because I got married very young and I've been out of the game for a very, very long time, happily out that, of the game. Did I. And, and yeah. And so, um, but I've heard that many, you know, relationships start out super sappy and there's this just like super duper romantic stage and I'm just not about it. Like, right? I'm just not about Cut to it. the chase. If so, you love me, you'll I do the laundry. Know. And, and, uh, and, and that's a metaphor for, if you love me, you know, you'll empty the dishwasher without asking, or if you like, like, just, we don't need to talk. Don't get me a stupid gift. Don't buy me dumb flowers. Don't write a card. I'm a minimalist. I don't want trash in my house. Like just do something without being asked and you will show me how much you love me. I say love is someone who helped you fold the fitted sheet. That oh, is love. Oh boy. That is love. That is love. <laughs> so um or just coming home and like there are groceries in the fridge and I didn't make the list. Oh my god, you love me so much. You know, it's just like that's what that song's about. <laughs> that's awesome. We need more songs like that as well. And Dave Cause is there, you know, as you mentioned, a mentor. Yes. Um, his playing on it is incredible. Yeah. Um Let's actually go ahead and fire up that track. Here is Laundry.
And then another guest appearance, right? right. Put it where you want it. Put it where you want it. Right. He's on that. And Dave is on Dave is on that too. And Casey Abrams from Where Did I Meet Him? Postmodern Jukebox. That's right. And also he's a phenomenal bass player. Was on American Idol. Made it into the top ten, I think, like two thousand eleven, right? He did. And he's a very good friend. Oh, awesome. And Aubrey, if I'm not mistaken, you appeared on American Idol. I don't know if I appeared. I was there. I don't think they put me on any TV. You were there. I was there, though. I was there. I uh, got eliminated on the very first day of Hollywood Week. Well, but you I made did it to go. Hollywood Week. I made it to Hollywood That's Week somehow. Um, yeah. And I quickly learned how how very unconventional I was as soon as I got there. <laughs> well, yeah. we are certainly glad that, like I say, you stuck to your gut refuse to compromise you know your art and your vision because really truly you're a role model in a lot of ways um you you know being a a a female instrumentalist you know i have two daughters um you know and the oldest definitely is showing some interest in you know banging drums and rocking out um yeah so it's always good when they have people whose footsteps they can follow in. And just like I say, an artist who's, you know, does not want to compromise their vision of why do I have to be just jazz? Why do I have to be just pop? Why do I have to be just cabaret? Why can't I do it all? And so, and I think this album is a, is a perfect Testament to that. So kudos, kudos, kudos. Thank you so much. Spice would be proud. You know what? (laughs) Sporty Spice. I just need to meet her. I need to meet. Let's Mel get a collab going. Yeah, let's we'll get, get a, a collab. collab going, and we'll work out together, and it'll be great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, the name of the album once again is "Where the Sunshine Is Expensive." It is out right now. It's out right now, correct? It out. It's out everywhere. Out so everywhere, um, you can stream it everywhere yeah. on Resonance Records. Um, you can, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenal record. Thank you. No, thank you, Aubrey. Thank you so Again, much. really appreciate appreciate you sitting down with me today. Um, if people want to follow along, where's the best place for them to see your going? Yeah, yeah they can uh, Instagram Aubrey underscore Logan, but they can find all of the videos and the music and the socials on AubreyLogan.com as well as and the best place to find me is, you know, in person. So go to the website and click the tour page and I'll see you at a show. Cool. One last thing I like to do before we sign off is I like to, for, for my guests to pick a track from the album to kind of take us off into the sunset to roll the credits under. Let's roll the credits for understand. You got it. Understand it is. Thank you. Here's understand from Aubrey Logan. will do it for today's episode i'd like to thank once again my guest aubrey logan for sitting in with me today um also like to take a minute to thank the rest of this episode's sponsors they include smoke sessions records they've got a new album out right now by saxophonist gary bartz vincent herring and bobby watson it's called bird at 100 it is a tribute to 100 years of charlie parker you can learn more about it at the label's website smokesessionsrecords.com Thanks also to Blue Note Records. They are really at the tail end of their 80th anniversary year, but they're still celebrating with a bunch of cool musical initiatives. To check out everything they've got going on, visit bluenote.com. Thanks also to ECM Records. A new album you may want to check out is Keith Jarrett's Munich 2016. Uh, You can learn more about it at ecmrecords.com. Another big thanks to the online streaming service, Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. To check ours out, visit Deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Uh, Thank you also to JazzRadio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. You can visit JazzRadio.com to learn more about them. We'd also like to thank the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, One cool concert coming up for them. Raphael Sadiq. He's playing on Valentine's Day. That's February 14th, of course. For tickets and more info, visit njpac.org. That's njpac.org. 
Uh, thank you also to Jazz at Lincoln Center, one of New York's premier musical venues. They've got a great New Year's Eve concert coming up um, with bassist Carlos Enriquez, who's one of my favorite bassists ever. Uh, it is, of course, on December 31st at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, visit jazz.org. Thanks also to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz and beyond. It has been called the Netflix of jazz. To learn more, visit quest.tv, Q-W-E-S-T TV. Lastly, I always say it, independent artists, if you'd like to get your album into the hands of a jazz's editor, there's no better way to do that than our Inside Track program. Not only will you get your album posted on our site when, where people can vote to uh, make it the most popular album on the page, but uh, the audio comes directly to an inbox of a jazz's editor. Uh, there's never been an easier way to get your album reviewed. Visit jazzes.com and click Submit Your Music up in the top navigation bar. Um, and hey, if you like what you here don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast leave us a five-star rating leave us a review it really helps we want to get this uh, great content out to as many people as possible and this is the best way to do it all right thanks a lot everyone that does it for me i will see you next time